Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're joined this week by Seth C. of Staking the Plains as we talk about Zaire Smith officially, officially declaring for the NBA draft. The baseball team scoring 76 runs and the football team finishing up practice with the spring game this past weekend. The 23 Personnel Podcast starts right now. You are listening to the 23 Personnel Podcast, where food and sports clash at the goal line. Here are your hosts, Spencer and Michael. All right, everybody, welcome back for yet another episode of the 23 Personnel Podcast. I'm your host, Spencer, joined by Michael. Hello, everybody. This week, we have a very special guest with us, Seth from Staking the Plains. Hello. Our first big-time celebrity uh, guest, Michael. What do you What do you think? It's a good get. I think that's what they say. <laughs> in the good get. Yes, it's like a a four star commit or something. Yeah. Maybe it's a five star. Please, you guys, you guys go on, please. <laughs> so we decided to go ahead and skip the uh, the intro nonsense. We have way too much to talk about. We've got lots of questions again this week. We'll start in basketball. Uh, go into baseball, and then obviously we'll we'll wrap up with uh, football and spring practice and all that kind of good stuff. Um, actually, just before we came on to record, we we saw that it looks like Zaire Smith is officially declared and is going to be hiring an agent for the NBA draft, which will um, effectively make him ineligible to return to Texas Tech. That's been kind of what the expectation was the past couple of weeks. Um, I myself was kind of holding out, hoping that he'd go through the process and uh, maybe determine staying in school would be really good. But I guess it's farewell. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm not super surprised, but it still kind of stings just now that it's final, and we know that this is this was the one year we got to see this guy play for us. So uh, I really hope he does well. Um, I I think I mentioned on a previous one. I I would not expect to see him, you know, on a roster immediately. I think he'll develop a little bit, uh, you know, maybe get a little bit more confident with his jump shot, possibly ball handling. But um, I don't think you have to worry about getting him in the gym for any sort of physical assessment. I think he's going to be good there. But it's it's sad to see him go, but I really hope he does well and lands on a team that's going to, uh, really work with him and and wants to invest time into him and pay him. Yeah, I, I think that's the biggest thing for a college kid leaving is whether or not he's actually going to go and immediately play on a professional team is that he'll be being paid for his time. Um, yeah. So No, I think he'll do great. I mean, I he can play defense. And if, you know, just like on the college level, if you can play defense, you're going to get minutes. Um, even though they may be pretty sparse, but 
even guys like Pop or Carlisle or guys like that that are just so hesitant to play rookies, they will play you if you play some defense. So um, it wouldn't surprise me at all if he he does a little something. So yeah, I, I think that's probably his biggest asset going into professional right now is um, that he is able to play defense and he'll be able to um, bring that part of his game on a a professional level rather than trying to develop his offense. Um, I don't know. I You'll have to run zero sets for him. Zero. <laughs> like, you know, just go crash the boards and run and dunk. That's it. So that makes it super easy. You're not taking anything away from any of your other guys. So I think that's kind of a big deal. Yeah, I'm. so I'm not familiar with – or I'm not familiar enough with the NBA and the NBA draft process. I, I know he, he keeps getting projected in that. I think as high as 10 to 20 range, which would seem like a no doubt or like he should go. But I mean, there's only what the, the two rounds of the draft. Um, so like, you would think somebody going 10th overall would be a fairly safe bet to play. But, you know, I, I don't know if like, like, like we, we've already talked about, if he's going to be one of those players that you draft and bring in, he's going to play immediately. Or if at number 10, he's still kind of a project. I would think that someone has promised him that he's going to be drafted, you know, in 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 that range. Otherwise, he wouldn't have gone done what he's done. So, yeah, I mean, he may be a project, but I think that he'll also be. I mean, he'll be on the big boy roster. I think, but I mean, because the G League tends to be more like second round and free agent guys and stuff like that. And he won't get the same kind of work that he would get maybe if he was uh, in the G League that uh, he would in the big club. So that's that's the only difference. You know, they have assistants that can work with everybody, you know, like the Mavs. I don't know what the Spurs have, but the Mavs seem like got 10 or 12 assistants. Yeah. There's, they have a guy that can work with everybody. So Yeah, there's a lot of – I know I, f- I forget his name, but they have their shooting coach who's – really developed a really great reputation and uh you know to not jump ahead too much dan actually asked the question uh i know that's going to be in the listener questions but we're talking about it so we should i I think we should just go ahead and go for it and dan asked uh with staking the planes which nba team or roster is the best fit for zaire smith and of course i thought spurs not to be too selfish (laughs) but to okay to be a little selfish yes but you know, you think about where Kawhi ended up, uh, or where he started. He didn't have a lot of stock. They traded for him to solely to pick him, and he has a lot of the same things that Seth just mentioned that he was able to do off the bat. He was able to play defense. He was athletic. He had a lot of uh, just tangible abilities up front, but then he didn't see a lot of meaningful time with the Spurs till you know, maybe year two or three. Uh, you could tell that they had really worked with him on, on shooting that baseline three. They, uh, you know, would depend on him to, to go in and crash some boards and defend some guys, but he wasn't just handed the ball and said, hey, good luck, you know, like kind of like how he was last year. Um, just handed the keys to the whole thing the last couple of years. So I could see something like that working well in uh, 
Smith's favor, but I mean, I don't think the Spurs have the ability to get him. Um, I think he'd be too far up there, or they'd have to do some sort of trade to make it happen. Because I think Kawhi's headed out the door, so that's why I think Zaire Smith would be kind of. It it make me feel better. It it just make me feel better as a fan to see him get picked and maybe see him kind of get molded in the same way Kawhi did, and it probably wouldn't take as long. Well, I mean, can we at least all agree that we don't want it to be the Rockets? I mean, yes, just easy. <laughs> the rich can't get richer, man. They're number one seed in the NBA. Nah, they're they're fine. They'll they'll be okay. Yeah, yeah. Anybody but the Rockets. That's for you, Dan. <laughs> VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be Continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. <laughs> Sorry. I, so I, I mean, I I wouldn't mind seeing the 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 Mavericks get them, I guess, but I'm kind of worried that they'll mess it up. <laughs> well, I mean, but they have the number three pick, so I mean, he won't go that high. Yeah, he has to go they'll really to go high. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. So the only thing that they could do is if they acquired another pick, then uh, Zaire could be the guy. But um, so I I went ahead and pulled up the projected draft order. I don't even know if this is like. How it's going to be, or, or what? Starting at ten, because I, I don't, I don't think I've seen him projected any higher. Ten would be the Philadelphia 76ers. Eleven is the Hornets. The Clippers have two back to back at twelve and thirteen. Nuggets are at fourteen. Wizards fifteen. Suns sixteen. Bucks at seventeen. Spurs at eighteen. Hawks at nineteen. Timberwolves at twenty. I mean, so the Spurs are in play because I mean, Spurs are where you see them. Yeah, if we're looking at Texas teams, they're probably right in the middle of where he's been projected to go in terms of draft. Um, I I just need to reach out to Pop personally and and uh, tell him my evaluation, my personal evaluation of Zaire Smith. Hey, did y'all see Zaire's tweet? It was he he tweeted himself probably right as we were starting. It was 13 minutes ago as of now, and he act, he's uh, he says, After careful consideration, I've decided to forego my collegiate career and sign with Rock Nation. Again, I want to thank my family, friends, coaches, teammates, and TT fans. Your support has been great. I know this is the best decision for me, and I hope to make you all proud. So, it's, it's, it's a done deal. It's really, it's really happening, guys. That's just nuts, though. I mean, cause I, I asked this in the in the group chat before we started. When was the last time Tech had a um, a one and done player? And Dan was very quick to point out it's never happened for Texas Tech. <laughs> and it's just 
incredible to think, okay, one, you weren't expecting this at all. He was, he was supposed to be pretty good. I mean, but he was, you know, a three-star guy out of high school, right? I think he remember. Was, he was three. Yeah. He might have, or was he four? So, you know, so much of high school basketball is dependent on, like, what AAU team you play for. And I don't know that he played for a great AAU team. Like, you know, you just don't hear him a ton about on the circuit. And so um, I think that led to him not being as highly thought of because he just wasn't on a very good team. So, yeah, he's, I think, yeah, y'all are right. I, he's, he was a three star. Yeah, from 24 7 sports, he was a composite 88, which is, you know, just under a four star because I, I think that four star cutoff for them is 90. His national rank, according to them, was 194. So, in his class, Unfortunately, this... he was ranked 194th, and now he's in the draft class between 10 and 20. That's just nuts. And this, unfortunately, gives fuel to all those people who say recruiting rankings do not matter. True. And that is so inaccurate. But, oh. <laughs> Well, so my true was, yes, it will give them that fuel, but... Yes, I agree. Yeah, so that's just... I mean, I I, I don't even know what to do or say, except good luck. <laughs> really wish he would have stayed, but um, obviously... with I'm happy for him. I mean, that's the one thing about Beard, just to kind of pull it around to tech basketball, which is, I mean... He is going to recruit his ass off. I mean, I can. He is relentless when it comes to that. So, I mean, you know, there are some guys that are cut out for college recruiting, and uh, it seems like guys like Beard. I don't know if Kingsbury is, but boy, guys like Beard. I mean, he seems to just thrive on it. I mean, that's all he ever does. So, this does not phase me at all because Beard is tireless. He'll, he'll. He, He's always got something going with the roster. So, so he was Zaire Smith looked like it was his recruitment was credited credited to Chris Ogden, um, who we know just recently moved on to UTA. Is this is recruiting going to be not necessarily an issue, but is there going to need to be some some slack picked up with the absence of Ogden? Do you think? Anybody? I think so. I mean, I I know that Pinkins is the one that uh, recruited Tariq uh, because they had a relationship at Tennessee, so that was kind of the connection there. I don't know who's uh, recruiting Mooney. Um, I would imagine that uh, Odgen was um, – oh, who is the kid who hasn't signed yet? Um, Devon – Moore. Moore? Yeah. So I think that Ogden was big on him, but that could have been Pinkins too because Pinkins seems to have those southeast kind of um, recruiting connections because he was at Tennessee for a few years, but so was Ogden too. But yeah, I mean, I but I don't think that I don't think that Og, or I don't think that Beard really lets anybody sleep. Like I don't think that <laughs> anybody on his staff is really allowed to kind of take nights or days off. I mean, like, you have to be all in with him. Otherwise, you are, I mean, he'll find somebody else. Maybe I'm reading him wrong, but that's just kind of how I see him. 
Yeah, I think there's been some late night. I hate to keep bringing up Waterburger, but it seems like there's been some late <laughs> night uh, get-togethers with he and his staff that they've tweeted out or or, or discussed just in the media, just kind of in passing. I I think you're right, Seth, that they just they don't really stop. Um, you know, they just they close they they uh, rest their eyes for a minute and then they just start the next day, pretty much. Yeah, and I don't know the exact stat or what the exact numbers are, but I've heard it several times from several different sources or people that the recruiting success of Beard and the staff is just unbelievable when the recruit gets down to like its final five schools, whatever, that Beard has closed more of those pitches and gotten more commitments from those guys than they've lost. Yeah. Just... Uh, they, they're closers. I bet they're big coffee. Drinkers. I mean, they were down. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that Zaire was down to UT and Texas Tech. So, uh, I mean, they ended up getting Zaire. So, I mean, and then the same thing with Culver too, right? Wasn't he basically down to UT and Tech? So, you know, we beat out beat out UT for both those kids, and Indiana for Moretti. And UConn, I think, and um, I'm sure there were some others. I don't even know who we beat out for more, but, I mean, if you're a top 150 player, you're beating somebody out probably, so. Yeah, so so going back to recruiting, um, we had mentioned Mooney, that transfer from South Dakota, North Dakota? South. South Dakota. From, it sounds like there's just more and more smoke that that's basically – like he's got he's got it down to tech and a couple others, but um, it's really you know it's he's tech's athlete to lose is what I've heard, um, and that you know I I don't know I don't remember the exact schedule for his visits he's he's nearly done he's taken some some visits to other big schools, but I've I've heard that. Um, Mooney is really close to to committing to Tech. What have you guys heard, Michael? Uh, Seth? Oh yeah, go ahead, Michael. <laughs> no, I, I haven't heard really much of anything. I was just just kind of looking up pretty much what Mike posted about um, the the article he had. It's from April tenth, and he hadn't set up any visits yet, but that was you know a week ago. So I think that as of today, uh, Mooney is scheduled to visit Tech like on May 5th after he finishes his finals. So I think he's setting up two late visits um, after finals, and Tech is one of the last ones. I don't remember who the other last one one, uh, the last one one was, but um, but yeah, I think that Tech is right there with. Um, yeah, I think it's Tech's guy to lose. It's Creighton, Northwestern. Utah State, um, Arizona State. Yeah. According to the morning um, the morning stake today. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, yes. I can't even remember what I posted, so. Well, it's almost 24 hours old now. I mean, this is, it's old news. True. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. So I think that a TTU Hoops fan is the one that uh, said that um, Mooney is going to be deciding here pretty soon, so. Hopefully it's not or after he takes his. Friends. Yeah, I was about to say. Hopefully it's not until after his visit because usually if they make a decision before they visited, it's 
typically not going to be you. <laughs> they would have seen somebody else and be like, no, I'm going there. Um, yeah, he had a lot of good things to say about Beard, and that's not too surprising. And uh, we'll see we'll see where it shakes out. Yeah, it, it was kind of surprising he came out with that before his visit. Um, but I, I'm assuming he's been, you know, in fairly regular contact with the staff during this recruitment period. But um, usually, you hear that kind of that praise or recognition after some like a visit one on one time. Anyway, so there was other news this week uh, that Texas Tech and Duke set up a neutral site game for the 2018-2019 season at Madison Square Garden. Um, kind of a, a, a you know a, a blue blood that you're going to put in your schedule. Um, kind of crazy that you're getting the attention of a team like Duke that you're not like you know you're not the team that's being paid to come into that kind of situation that. <laughs> You're not, you know, some kind of, I don't even know what the term would be, but essentially like some F- FCS school in football that you, you pay to bring into your house, you beat them up pretty good, and you send them home with some money. A cupcake. <laughs> That's not the deal. You know, it's not what this is going to be. Um, it's going to be really interesting. Uh, that The player, I'm, I'm, I'm blanking on names, this is terrible, but the player that just committed a transfer to Tech from St. John's, Tariq, Tariq Owens, was on the St. John's team that beat Duke, which I think will be pretty an interesting rematch to see him going back up against a team he beat. Um, I, I know that Dan said he's going to be he's booking flights now <laughs> to make the trip. Um, I, I, I don't. I mean, it'd be cool to go up to New York. I don't think I would. I would go all the way up there to, to see this game. And that's just. I guess me is not a diehard basketball fan like Dan is. But what do you guys think of scheduling a game like this where you're going after? a team that's likely going to be top five, maybe number one going into the season next year. I, I love it. And it's, I think the timing of it's, it's good. Um, Cause it's before big 12 play kicks off, depending on when they do that in December, you know, usually in December they kind of play, you know, they play Hawaii or they play somebody like that uh, kind of while school's out. So uh, this is definitely more of an attention-getting type of lineup, so I'm I'm pumped about it. I I think it's great. It's it's going to be a good visual for uh, people across the country and having Tariq Owens, who's beaten them before, and I can't. I think he beat them at St. John's. He yeah by himself. Sorry, <laughs> but uh, I think they won at St. John's. So you know this will be kind of a as good of a chance we have with it being a neutral site. Um, yeah, geographically, Duke's a little bit closer to New York than Texas, but it's not like it's right down the road or something. So um, I, I love it. I think, it's, I think it's a great idea. Well, I think one of the other things, too, is that a lot of times when you uh, go after kids like Tariq or like last year when we had Tommy Hamilton, who I think was also from New York, is that you kind of promise these kids, look, we'll go play so that your family can come see you. And so sometimes that can be the impetus for some of these matchups to occur. So it's not a surprise that Tariq commits uh, and signs, and then Tech actually then goes forward and then does the deal in New York with uh, uh, Duke. So to me, I think that's 
that's fulfilling promises if you uh, if I had to guess and then the other interesting thing I think about this is that uh, there are two coaches that uh, are for tech that are just are unafraid to play anybody and it is tadlock and beard they are fearless maybe even to their detriment at times we're about to find out with tadlock (laughs) but they they do not care about rankings or whatever and man i think that fearlessness kind of rubs off on people um players and i I think that recruits see that and like no 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 we're not afraid to play whoever so i think that's a big deal yeah, uh, I couldn't put any better. It, it, it is a big deal. I think it'll be uh, really beneficial to, for recruiting, like you said. Um, I'm, I'm a little more hesitant on, on scheduling these kind of things because, I mean, especially for 2018, 19, you're looking, you're not so sure what the team is going to be. You're ho- hopefully going to be able to replace some talent that you had graduate or move on to the draft. Um so I'm I'm a little more more hesitant about this kind of scheduling at this point, but I'm not the coach. <laughs> I'm not the athletic director by the one of these schools, so I don't get paid to make these kind of decisions. Unfortunately. Who was it that well, uh, I, Tech played at the neutral site this year? Was it Seton Hall? Seton Hall. Seton Hall. Okay, let me see. When was that? December-ish. About the same time. Yeah, it was December, and it was the, the, part of that tournament, right? Yeah. Well, I don't, I'm not sure, but they they were they were top 25, or or right around. They there. weren't they weren't at the time. I think they were after they beat us. <laughs> but they kind of hung around for a while too, and they rank. They didn't just beat us and drop right back out. They kind of hung around that 20 to 25 range, if I remember correctly. Yes, for yeah. a while. It was a and it was November 30th, so it was a little earlier. I, I oh, I'm know, sorry, I just, the day before December. No, I'm no, but it says December 2018. That could be, that could be the 15th. It could be the could be the 29th. first. We don't know. Yeah, uh, yeah, it could be the next day. I I I admit that. I I don't know. I I think the timing of it's better as opposed to you know the football team playing Ole Miss day one. I'm I'm not crazy about that. Uh, of course, you know if, if you lose in the beginning of the year in football season, no one really cares. Later. Um, ask Clemson, ask OU, ask any of those guys. No one cares if you lose in October or September when it comes to December time if you're in the mix. So I know that's a different thing, but I do. I just do like the fact that they'll have a couple months of some competition uh, behind them, and you know they'll have had that tournament that they have pretty early in the year. Um, I, I don't know. I'm really excited about it. I, I know that Duke's going to have. Dan was talking about the new guy they're going to have, and I can't even remember his name. Zion Williamson. Zion Williamson. Yeah, he sounds he number, sounds terrifying. He's the number one recruit, but I'm sure Duke has like I think they have another couple of top ten recruits coming in as well. I think they have three or four. Yeah, it's going to be a, a lot of underclassmen, but they're super talented. They'll be pretty good. <laughs> yeah, just yeah. just pretty pretty good and then one more thing is it's actually a week from today april 24th um you know texas tech and united's who else is doing it? I, I just saw the united supermarkets arena it'll be at the arena fran um, Franchilla. yeah fran Franchilla will be there Franchilla. 
I always get his name wrong. They do a Red Raider basketball celebration, 6 p.m. They say, um, spend next Tuesday night with us as we celebrate the incredible season that was. Dinner is on us, and you'll get to hear from Coach Beard and Fran Frischilla and the guys. So you RSVP. It's free. Uh, you get dinner out of it. You get to hear from Beard, Frischilla, probably some players. I, I don't remember seeing something like this happen before. Uh, have you guys? Especially no. for free? <laughs> no. no. This is totally new. I don't even know what this is. I don't, is this a thing other schools do when they're really good at basketball? Is this? Well, when they, they announced it at the spring game, we all looked at each other and was like, what? Yeah. What's going on? <laughs> I don't know what they were uh, talking about. Yeah. Okay. That, that's right. Because we were like, "What? What? What was that? What? What did we just hear?" <laughs> yeah. To me, I think the interesting thing is, I do think that Fran does this sorts of thing, this sort of thing. Like, I think he does it to Kansas. He does like a Q and A and different things like that. Um. But. But yeah, for it to happen at Tech is kind of interesting and new. So I mean, obviously, one of you two need to, you know, get your RSVP in and attend on Tuesday night and report back with the you know pictures and everything. So we'll just take one for the team. We'll just hit record and that'll be the podcast. Yeah, we'll, we will do a remote. We'll, we'll go out there and record <laughs> from right, the event. Yeah. I guess we can we can send Labar. So that's true. He'll be close. <clears throat> oh, he said he was studying for a test. That's weak. I know. Yeah, I don't know if I'll be able to go because uh, I'm I'm a bachelor right now. My wife and daughter are out of town. They left to visit her family in Florida, and that's the day they get back. So it's probably not going to be great if I'm like, "Hey, welcome back. I'm going to leave now." <laughs> Thanks for. I know you just got off a flight with a, you know, a sixteen-month-old or whatever the math is. I don't even know. But uh, y'all just hang out here, and I'm gonna go check out this thing. You should. You should go with me. I'm, just I'm try actually... and get your laundry done as quickly as possible, and uh... that's what I'm doing. The chores will be done. I will have chores done when they get home. <laughs> Are you like just letting everything stack up? Try to do that. Are you the them. guys that like? <laughs> yeah, just yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just kind of like wait to the last day and be like, okay, well, we'll take care of it now. <laughs> Everything's just. Or do y'all in... get it done beforehand? Yeah, it's just in the back of the truck. I don't know why. But that's just where I put it. All the clothes, the dishes, it's just in the <laughs> truck. I don't know. Just get it out of the way. It'll be fine. Deal with it on Tuesday morning. Okay. I just RSVP'd, so I'm going to go. <laughs> All right, sweet. Multitasking. Yeah, well, you guys were talking, so that worked out. Um, <laughs> so your wife and child are out of town, Michael. We actually had Seth here in town with us this past weekend. Um, we got to go to a baseball game together. You weren't there, McDonald. You were off eating healthy, some quinoa nonsense. No. So we went to the baseball game for the afternoon. Uh, took in a, a football scrimmage that this past weekend uh, tech hosted Kansas state put up an insane amount of runs. They had the wind was ridiculous. If you were in town or if you were listening to or watching any of the games, basically the, bir- the first two games um, 
wind was was really strong, blowing straight out. Um, you know, it was coming from the northwest here in Lubbock, which means that's basically coming out from behind home plate, blowing out to the outfield. Um, Tech really took advantage and puts the balls in the air that probably would have been pop fly outs, ended up going over the fence, um, put up 56 runs in a total up for the weekend, swept Kansas State, which was uh, a welcome sight since they were kind of getting to the end of the um, first half easy portion <laughs> of the conference schedule where you, you, you wanted to, to make up some ground to to catch up to Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, and Texas. Um, you did that. We were able to watch lots of home runs on Saturday. Seth, that was your first time seeing a game for, for a while, at least in person. What were your, some of your thoughts? Man, that is just a really fun team to watch. The offense, I can't tell. I'm trying to think about. There are some times where the offense just doesn't click. And maybe that's what it is. I mean, it's either uh, in buckets or it's in drops. And so, um, but it seems like they've been clicking lately. They've been clicking since the wind's been blowing. Um, (laughs) Because it clicked today, too. Back in their natural Um, habitat. Yeah. You know, but New Mexico's a pretty terrible team. Um, So I don't know how much stock to put into that. And so is Kansas State. But sometimes you need that kind of uh, thumping to kind of make sure everybody's going the right direction, break out of the slumps. I mean, we saw Michael Davis was in the middle of, um, I think at one point it was like two for 29, and then Saturday he went five for five. Uh, he, he had six trips to the plate. Um, one of them was a sacrifice, so it didn't actually go against him, uh, against his average, but he still was productive. He scored a run. Uh, the other five times up, he reached base. Um, so, you know, these kind of games and series are, are nice when you've got t- players like Davis that are have been pretty um, pretty solid for you for their, over their career uh, break out of a, a slump. Uh, Michael Labar uh, pointed out that he actually got a haircut and changed his walk-up music, so maybe that had something to do with it. Yeah, um, I... I think he got his haircut in, um, gosh, where were they? Uh, Lawrence. In Kansas. Yeah. yeah, he got his haircut in Lawrence. And uh, then he changed, uh, Labar noted that he changed his walk-up music from that ghastly body like a back, back road business to um, The Stroke by Billy Squire, which is <laughs> much better. So much better. And for those of you who've seen Billy Madison, you all know exactly what I'm talking about scene where he pulls up in front of the high school with the t-top trans am and he pops his collar on his denim jean jacket and that's the song that's playing in the background he thinks he's really cool and and he is it's just the kids don't they don't they don't get it they <laughs> yeah, just he don't pulled get it elementary school <laughs> no he was in high school then of course he was like whatever whatever age he was but uh, yeah, i guess that's true he was well out of the high school age range he graduated. I can't believe you're not, in, you know, know the intricate details of the Billy Madison plot. <laughs> I've watched it a couple of times, but not something I could recite word for word or anything. Seth, I wanted to ask you something about the. Well, I had two questions for you. Right before we started, you said that you're, you're having a beer. Which which beer do you have? We must know this. 
Oh, um, so at Bucky's, I have a Bucky's very close to my house. Kind of jealous. In town. Wow. <laughs> yes. And so they have um, the uh, Ballast Point IPA, the Sculpin IPA. That's like only 10 bucks. And so I got a couple sixes of those. So And the beer is gone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I saw you had it when we started and I hadn't seen it in a while. So, um, but no, so that's what I have. So I picked up a couple six packs of those actually before the Lubbock trip. So, um, I had a couple of those after I got back to the motel on uh, Saturday. So, and then I smoothed past out at 10 o'clock. So, uh, so we're pushing your bedtime right now, aren't we? <laughs> well, I mean, it's kind of one of those things where, you know, you get up at three, you write, and you get on the road and then you drive and baseball game and all that other stuff. So. I was uh, I was all worn out after it was all said and done. So yeah, because I mean, we were outside for a good solid five or six hours straight. Um, yes. Yeah. Know, with the that was game. impressive, guys. Well, I mean, so uh, to be honest, though, like right after we got there, the the shade covered us within you know the first half hour or so, so we weren't like in direct sunlight. Uh, once we were actually in our seats, the since the wind was coming from behind us, the the stands blocked most of us. We didn't actually. We, you know, we weren't blown away. It was just a nice breeze. Um, and by the time we got to the football stadium, it kind of calmed down a little bit. But, yes, yeah, so we were at the baseball game. We had uh, Labar join us from his, his student section, walked on over, sat down with us. We had a um, a friendly bet over with a home run total. We, we Labar set it at two and a half, and I, I laughed at him. I was like, dude, that's that's ridiculous. It's way too low. So Seth and I took the over, and Labar's like, "Nah, I've got to take the under." I think, I think on Saturday they hit three, <laughs> so they yes. just barely beat the yeah. his line. Yeah, um, I think that was it. In, in jest, and just to just to have a little fun, I, I did the same kind of thing today for today's game because the, when the radios guys got there, which okay, one, it's ridiculous that New Mexico doesn't have a media booth for radio for traveling radio, so their guys. I'm sorry, the Texas Tech radio guys were actually sitting out in the stands. Um, they were there. They're doing their pregame stuff, talking about the wind was as bad, or if not worse, and it, worse than it was on Friday, which was the worst of the the games here in Lubbock, and it was blown straight out, straight out. And I was like, okay, over under three and a half. And I'm gonna take the over. I don't know if anybody else participated, but I did. I did. I said the <laughs> under. I took the under. And you were wrong because yep, Tech was. hit four home runs today. Yep. Um, so I set a good line and I got it right in your face, Labar. You can do both. You need you need to be you know you guys need to set up shop somewhere in Vegas or just some sort of offshore account or something and just have some lines, and <laughs> just random prop bets and people would probably go for it. Well, I was also going for. Um, that Tech was going to run rule New Mexico, and they ended up beating them by 11, which would have been enough to to initiate the run rule. But I think they, they put up those last two runs to push them to the plus 10. Uh, it was either the 8th or the ninth, so it was basically too late to just call it. But I was expecting not as many runs for New Mexico and an easier victory. Not that it was, this was. I mean, you beat somebody by, by 11, and when you score 20 runs... Um, you know, you're not really talking about a game that was in question, but I was kind of hoping for a run rule since we saw it. we were kind of hoping for it. Or on Friday and Saturday, even though they don't have a run rule on game games that don't 
happen on a travel day. I was hoping it was going to come up today, but not so lucky. Yeah, I didn't even know that. Uh, you know, you, you mentioned something about a run rule today, and I, I knew there was one, but I didn't know all the stipulations behind it. So it's only in effect on a travel day, and that's yeah, it. Yeah, that's, that's, that's what we found this past weekend. Um, Labar was able to educate us that that's only in effect on days where the team would be traveling to leave. So on a three-game series, like over the weekend, um, no matter the results or how many runs Tech put up against Kansas State, there wasn't going to be a, a run rule for Friday and Saturday. If they had done the same kind of thing on Sunday, they would have called it Was it after six or five at-bats for the, the opposing team. Or is it, I don't know. It's five, six, or seven innings. If you're up by 10 or more, then they can call it and... Six makes sense because that's when you can call it for weather. Yeah. That's what happened with Kansas as they called it in the, you know, after the top of the seventh, and that was considered a game when Tech got blown out inexplicably. Yeah. Anyways, so Tech swept this this series this weekend. Um, I think they they. They had a plus, was it plus 40 runs over Kansas State? <laughs> Pretty decent run differential. Pretty decent um, run differential. <laughs> right? I, I think I think they actually moved, Texas Tech moved up the rankings one spot from sixth to fifth. Real, real solid movement there. Um, but after today, after the New Mexico game, it, the the schedule gets a little hairy. You know, you got Oklahoma this weekend. Um, but in Lubbock. Right. You've got a, um, you've got Texas and Lubbock, but then you or, yeah, and then you, Arkansas I, is next, I think, after Oklahoma. Yeah, Arkansas, right. TCU, they're both away. Yeah, sorry, I was, I was getting to all that. Thanks, guys. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Um, but yeah, so you've got you know Oklahoma this weekend, Arkansas, TCU. I don't remember the rest of the midweek games. There's a Dallas Baptist trip in there. Uh, there's a San Diego trip in there, or games against both of those teams. I think that they'll both be home. Um, home against Texas, home against Oklahoma, or away at Oklahoma State to finish the season. So um, all of those teams are in the standings either right next to you or right above you. So you've got time, uh, the opportunity to make up for that slow start. Uh, you had some help from Texas this weekend as they – they took the series win against Oklahoma. Um, but yeah, you're gonna need to be you're gonna be counting on series wins the rest of the way out if you're gonna be repeating as a conference champion. And yes, I mean I think that this last few weeks is gonna be just amazing to watch to see how this team reacts. Um, but the other thing that is just kind of scary to think about is that. The the offense really only uses uh, loses um, Mike Davis, Cam Warren, and Zach Reams off the the roster after this year. And that's if Cam Warren is drafted, right? Well, I, I thought that Cam was maybe a senior, but if he's only a junior, then yeah, he should probably yeah, stick he, around because he's not good enough. But he is a junior. That he is, just came in from junior college this year. Okay, so that's just scary. I mean, just flat out scary how good the offense 
could be next year. Yeah, you, your biggest and, offensive threats are Josh Young, who's a sophomore, mm-hmm. Grant Little, who's a sophomore, Gabe Holtz kind of coming into himself as an offensive threat. He's really, um, I, I guess his biggest threat is actually when he gets on base with his speed. He can steal. He can extend, you know, a one-base hit to, to, to into a two-base hit. Um, he's just a freshman. Um, is Klein a senior? No. So he'll be back. And I don't think that Farhat is either. Yeah, so Farhat's, I think, another sophomore. Uh, your catchers are all going to be back. Um, so your offense should stay pretty well intact coming back for next season. Um, you know, this year they're already uh, just unbelievable. I think Grant Little himself is averaging greater than 400 at his average at the plate. Um, while there's not like a a what am I trying to say? There's not like a guy in the clubhouse that's just absolutely destroying everybody else in home runs. Everybody's in that like seven eight range, seven eight nine. But like when you've got three or four guys in that range, you're like, wow, you just you don't know who's going to hit it next because everybody's capable capable of doing it. Um, that offense is just ridiculous. It's fun to watch. Yeah, and if we can just get the pitching to kind of – really, it's just McMillan who's kind of struggled. And I even, I think, today uh, sublet started, but he didn't last very long. So, but, I mean, that's college baseball, you know. If you've got two solid starters and a bullpen of freaks, which I think Tech does have, then you're going to be just fine. So, Yeah, so speaking of the bullpen, um, I guess one of the guys that I'm most – impressed with is uh Caleb Killian making that transition from bullpen into a, a weekend starter you know he's kind of pushing that role going into the season we were thinking he'd be you know one of those long reliever type guys come in maybe Sunday or midweek games to kind of eat up some innings uh for those third and fourth starters that don't go very long um after the the gingery injury and everybody kind of being shifted around uh with the starting rotation it's kind of taken over that, that number two spot and it's just been He's been really impressive. This was weekend. He um, he probably didn't have his best outing, but I think we were kind of joking while we were there. Like by the time he was taken out, I think he gave up only three or four hits, and we were like, "This isn't even his best game." <laughs> um, yeah, he had what two runs and four hits, and he had a over a hundred pitches or ninety something pitches. But hey. I'll take that every day of the week. He got it out of some jams on his own, and that's what makes good pitchers great pitchers, so I'll take it. So after the uh, the baseball game this weekend, like we, we mentioned, we kind of walked over – well, we went to dinner first and walked over to the the football stadium to take in the last spring practice, the spring game. Um. We're going to open it up and we're, we're talking about our thoughts from the, the scrimmage. I think we'll start with Seth since he's actually been to two scrimmages this season. Um, just kind of general thoughts, what you saw, what um, what positions you were watching for, and uh, we'll talk about expectations after that. So w- what were some of your thoughts from the spring game? Man, so uh, I thought that uh, Jeffy, Jet Duffy still looked like the best quarterback which that was my opinion after watching the Frisco scrimmage. 
Um, the defense is going to be pretty good. I still don't know. Um, I still kind of have some questions about the defensive line, but um, especially at pass rushing, uh, you know, I still don't know that there's really a guy out there that's going to get to the quarterback like I really kind of hoped that they would. But Well, the, the issue with that, especially this weekend, is that Lonzel Gilmore and Tony Jones were both sitting out. So we didn't get like the two guys I think would be expected to be in that position weren't playing. I think Rico Jeffers played at that position a little bit, which was kind of surprising. But then when we realized that, you know, you're the guys that you would project to be one and two at that position weren't playing, you're kind of like, okay, well, that's kind of understood. He's going to be tried out a different position. Um, yeah, and and Gilmore's been out all spring for the most part, so he hasn't really gotten to do anything. And uh, Colin Hill is just kind of meh. You know, I mean, he's okay, but he's not, not going to light the world on fire, I don't think. so. And wasn't he te- kind of taking over that strong side defensive end position? Isn't he more on that side than the rush end? So I don't know if he's going to be – because I thought that I had read during the spring that he was losing weight so that he could be a little bit quicker with Eli being on the strong side and then Colin on the weak side. Hmm. Um, but maybe I'm just misremembering that. Um I thought I'd read something about how he was uh, uh, quicker than he's ever been and all those other good things, which I think is probably better for him. I don't think that he plays well big. Um, And I do think that Tony Jones will make a significant improvement um, to the defense. um, But we're kind of in a – but if that's your biggest worry that, you know, well, is the defensive line going to be great and is the pass rush going to be great – I think the three defensive backs are all pretty good, with Fry being the best by far. He really popped in the Frisco scrimmage, and I thought that he played well here as well. And um, so the defense is going to be better than anybody thinks that it is. So really it's just a matter of will the offense click before uh, before you know the game in Houston against Ole Miss and, you know, I tend to think that it will, but, you know, I don't know. Yeah, you've um, got to kind of got a long way to go with, um, you know, reloading at quarterback and receiver, trying to figure out who's going to be your running backs. Um, your offensive line should technically be better, or you can hope it would be better with everybody coming back. Um, having said all that, you're just like, well, I just don't know about the offense, which is kind of a unusual territory for, for Texas Tech. Usually, like, I, I, we'll be fine on offense. We just need to figure out how we're going to be better on defense. And this year, we're like, defense should be pretty good. Offense, I don't know. We're just hoping. <laughs> that was that was my takeaway from it, too. I, I feel comfortable with the defense. Uh, I, I could tell they were doing a good job uh, stopping our guys from getting much going on the running game. That was good. Uh, the coverage was pretty good. I think one of the most noticeable things uh, on the receivers, because, I mean, really, there weren't a lot of deep balls thrown or caught, um, but one of the most notable things when they were caught for a pretty good gain, there was someone there immediately, and they brought them down, you know, and they didn't allow them to shake them off and get another seven, eight yards. Uh, so that was kind of promising on the def- on the defensive side. 
Yeah, I don't think I remember seeing any broken coverages or big plays downfield that weren't contested. Like any any big gains, like the coverage was still really good. Uh, If the pass was caught, they were pretty much tackled immediately or pushed out of bounds. There was one play, uh, I don't remember if it was before halftime, right there at the very end before they put in all the the walk-ons, where there was like a a slant or some kind of inside screen to a receiver that he broke for, for a few yards and a touchdown, but... Everything else seemed like it was fairly well contained, especially on the in, the in regards to coverage, which I think is again when you're playing yourself, it's both good and bad. You're like, yay, our our, our defense was really good, or boo, our offense sucks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it it's kind of. I mean, I, I'm a little. Uh, I, I'm, it's not might be getting more into what you're about to ask, but uh, I was definitely more impressed with the defense than the offense for sure and the offense was kind of worrisome looking to me um you know you've got some pretty green quarterbacks even though carter's played he played quite a bit in jc was it was it longview where was he uh tyler jc it was tyler okay and i know that he i mean he had like an intentional grounding um, you know duffy had this great drive that ended on a on a throwaway interception that he should have just thrown out of bounds, but he just kind of threw it off somewhere. But they both had some bright moments. Uh, Duffy's speed, of course, and, I mean, Carter's speedy himself, but uh, they had some really good passes. I know Duffy had that great pass to, I think it was Schilling, and it was on a blown play. They were within their five-yard, their own five-yard line, wasn't a blown play, sorry, but it was a. It would have been a defensive penalty. There was an offsides, mm, and so yeah. Duffy just took a chance and and threw it downfield. And uh, you know, Schilling, uh, that was one of the bigger games of gains of the day. And he was really fast and made a good catch in between two defenders. And so there, I mean, there were defenders right there too. So it kind of goes back to what we said earlier. But I, I feel like the offensive line, you know. They were moving guys around. Uh, the de- the defensive line. I mean, it was just kind of a back and forth with them. I didn't think it was a really significant um, advantage one way or the other. I just think when it came to quarterback and receivers versus defensive backs, it was a definite advantage to the the defense. Yeah, and one of the things I was looking for when uh, going into the game, the spring game was to watch the receivers and how that kind of group or how that group was going to um, be represented without Dylan Cantrell, Cameron Batson, Kiki Kuti, that kind of group. Um, you know, I was expecting TJ Vash to be pretty good and he, he was, he was all right. There were some kind of head scratcher drops on his end, which, you know, you just hope was just fatigue from the end of a long spring practice um, schedule. The other guys, you know, looking for Daquan Bowman, JoJo Robinson, uh, Antoine Wesley, but he didn't end up playing. Um, and then there was Schilling, and then uh, Dalton. What, what was his last name? Rigdon. Rigdon. Myler Royals too. He had. Yeah, he had some yeah, that was somebody catches. else. Yeah, so I just yelled right there. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> now you're good. Antoine Shorts didn't play either. <laughs> um, yeah, so 
for anybody else not named TJ Vasher, I think I was most impressed with two guys would be uh, Jojo Robinson and Miley Royals, especially Royals being a true freshman, um, which we heard plenty of times. This kid should, should be in high school, should be going to prom right now <laughs> since he was an early enrollee. You've got some more guys coming in at the break, but again, not sure how you can rely on true freshmen that come in over the summer. But you've got a four-star in Eric. Oh, I just blanked on his name because I, I knew I was going to mess it up, so I, I just lost it. The four-star guy from Abilene. I'm not even going to try. Um, we, we all know who I'm talking about. No, it's the kid from uh, Fort Worth area or something like that. Yeah, Fort I think Royals is Royals. from Abilene. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you got him. I don't know if you can count on him. I was kind of, you know, you would hope that Quan Shorts would be, you know, fully healthy and play on the outside opposite of Vasher. Um, I, I think he was held out for health precautions more than anything this weekend. Um, well, and and Wesley didn't play, right. and he was actually really good uh, in the Frisco scrimmage, as was Donta Thompson. Um, Thompson had a couple bonehead penalties in the Frisco scrimmage, but he was he looks like he can play. Um, so I actually had two questions for you guys, so I didn't send them in via Twitter. Uh, since uh, I knew that we would actually be talking, but so if you had a uh, hundred dollars and you could put your money on one, either Jet Duffy or uh, McLean Carter, who would it be? And then question number two is, and maybe this is a discussion point, but I really don't think that the Big Twelve quarterback situation, other than. Uh, Iowa State and West Virginia is going to be all that great, you know. I don't, I, I don't know that it's going to set the world on fire. You know, we just got out of a really great quarterback period, you know, with Mahomes and Mayfield and uh, whoever else. So we kind of came out of that, but I think that we're about to be back into a situation where, you know, we're going to get some young guys. So I don't know. I guess my point may be, yeah, quarterback's going to be important for Tech, just like it is for every team, but I don't know that TCU or Oklahoma or, um, I mean, Texas is still struggling at quarterback. Um, That may be to Tech's benefit to an extent. Michael, do you want to start with that one? Sure, I'll go. I I would put 100 bucks on Jet Duffy. that's, That's where I'm at right now. Uh, I feel like Carter, we talked about it on Saturday when we were there. He just kind of telegraphs right now. You know where he's going to throw. Um, but and I, it's usually I, his first read, or that's it. To that point, I think McLean Carter has that same issue. He just doesn't have as strong of an arm. So his him telegraphing or staring a receiver down, you've got yeah. more time for the defense to recover and to jump on that, that route. I mean, they both had decent drives on Saturday. I, I hate to take everything based off of that. Um, you know, Carter, of course, played at UT, had some pretty rough mistakes there. Uh, well, he was also throwing at probably the conference's best cornerback. I guess. And Chris Boyd. So, <laughs> but I, I, I think it's. I would put I would put the money on on Duffy and Seth brings up a good point. It's. There's not going to be a Rudolph or a Mayfield or uh, the Iowa State has Name that linebacker else. kid, <laughs> <laughs> the kid that was a linebacker or 
a lumberjack and or I whatever. I think he's graduated. I think that that uh, the other Iowa State quarterback that torched us, um, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but man, he, he killed Tech last year. Was so. it? Um, oh gosh, Kyle Kempt. Yes, I think that he's getting an extra year, but I could be wrong. So. No, that's what I saw from a February article I just pulled up that I threw his name out. Has been granted a sixth year of eligibility. Yay. <laughs> He's almost as old as me. Well, in the nine games he played last year, he threw for 1,800 yards. So. 400 were against Tech or something. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> I'm kidding. I have no idea. Ugh, in Lubbock, too. Oh, I don't even want to talk about that game. It was so ugly. Yeah, so. All right, Spencer, what about you? Yeah. Um, Where's your $100 going? It would probably have to be on Jet Duffy, although having seen both of them play, I think it's it, it may be closer than what I was expecting it to be. Um, I was going into it knowing that Duffy had missed quite a bit of time and he was still trying to catch up with that. Also, as an underclassman going against somebody else that has collegiate experience and is a couple years older, um, he and Carter were closer than I was expecting. Duffy does have the stronger arm and probably a little more elusive if he were to tuck it and run. Um, I think that may be to his benefit if Kevin Johns is going to have any kind of influence on the run game this season. Uh, there may be more quarterback runs. So I think I'll, I'll, I'll stick with, with Duffy. Um, yeah, and that's I, I agree with that. And they, can't, they couldn't show all that to us on, well, no, because, on yeah. these scrimmages. As, so. as soon as they were touched, the, the the play was blown dead, even though in real action, he may not have been tackled at that point. Right, and I think there were very few designed quarterback runs, if any, during the scrimmage. I think that I think, it was just them taking off when yeah. they could. So I would expect to see a little bit more, uh, like you just said, you know, leaning towards a designed run here and there and, and using fullbacks and using... Dante Thompson, a huge tight end to, you know, throw somebody out of the way. So I I think we may be able to see a little bit more of that and that makes me a little bit more optimistic. Um I, I just I just know that they weren't gonna be able to run all that uh in a scrimmage. Yeah, to, to Seth's other point, I don't think if you look around the rest of the conference that there's gonna be any team that's really gonna stand out with a quarterback. You've got Iowa State with that guy coming back. Uh is Will Greer still at West Virginia? Yeah, he comes back. So that's your biggest. That's yeah, that's it, the best quarterback in the. It, it, it'll be between right now. those two guys you're looking at, like leading the conference in terms of not necessarily yards and production, but uh, being able to lead their team. Because you look at uh, Oklahoma will be playing a new guy, um, Kendall, not Kendall Thompson. That was a baseball player or football player that turned baseball. Um, See, I, I can't even think of his name. Oklahoma State had that guy that was backing up Rudolph for the past couple of years. TCU with uh, Sean Robinson. Um, Texas and their revolving door of quarterbacks that is still kind of surprising they can't find somebody. It's like the, the I, They think they found Erlinger, though, or however you say his name. They think that he's the guy now. That's that's, And honestly, I think that uh, he's going to be the, the guy that you hate. <laughs> uh, not you particularly, but fans hate because he's 
he's got a little bit of Mayfield in him. He doesn't mind talking some trash and all that other good stuff. So that'll be great. Yeah, that does make it a little more fun. Um, and then at Baylor, you've got Charlie Brewer. Um, if you're also familiar with the Brewer family, <laughs> of Lake Travis. Oh, of those Brewers. Yeah, that was Michael Bre- Michael Brewer's brother huh. who we played against. Um, who else? Uh, Peyton, what's his name at Kansas? He's not going to have enough around him really to for him to really showcase what his what his talent level is. Um, so it, it's going to be a year without a lot of quarterback talent that you may see some of that uh, Big Twelve doesn't play any defense talk kind of walked back a little bit. Um, not because the defenses are going to be better, but I think because the offenses are going to take a collective step back without any grizzled veteran quarterbacks that are just going to light everybody up outside of maybe one or two guys. And honestly, I would not be surprised if the Big 12 starts to um, kind of really transition to more of a running. I mean, Tech is transitioning towards that. I think that UT kind of wants to transition towards that. Well, with all their um, six three two fifty running backs, why not? <laughs> yep, they do have they they have a plethora uh, of of running backs of fast so. fullbacks. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, you you also saw uh, Baylor kind of transition their offense with Matt Rule going from their Bryles based running game to a more traditional power type running game. Um, Oklahoma always has kind of dabbled in some power running schemes. Um, Oklahoma State, I don't know so much about their offense lately. Then They've always seemed to have really, really talented running backs. So, yeah, it, we'll probably see a lot more running this season, uh, you know, across the conference. Um, and then there was some other news, going back for a second to some news from football that a uh, – Seth Collins from Oregon State announced his intention to transfer to Texas Tech. Um, kind of had some questionable past, if you will. He's he got in, in some some law trouble. Also, hasn't been a guy that put up lots of numbers at Oregon State. Which uh, Lamarck made this point in the chat. He's like, "Well, why why is Kingsbury sticking his neck out for?" A, a, a guy that hasn't shown a lot of talent. Um, I kind of go the other way. I'm like, I'm, I'm glad that if you are going to be offering a second chance, it's not to some superstar can't miss type of talent that you're just kind of hoping to, to look the other way because he is so talented. Um, but from everything I've seen and read the, the his law troubles, I, I don't, I don't think it was as, terrible as it sounded like it could have been what, what do you guys think from your reading and research understanding of all, all that situation I, I, to be honest with you I, I haven't really looked much into it I just know it was it was fourth degree assault uh, against a 19 year old uh, young woman I, I don't know at all what happened yet um, I'm, I'm actually just kind of reading about it now so 
I hesitate to say anything about it. On the surface, nothing like that sounds good uh, to to have uh, someone join your team who's currently suspended from theirs. But uh, there's probably more to the story that we don't know, and that's what I'm hoping. From everything yeah, I... the story was... Oh, go ahead. Spencer. No, I was going to say, from what I saw, it looked like um, what happened was that they were... He and some friends and this... this uh, this young lady was were, were at a party of some sort, and his friend may have been getting into some kind of trouble, and he was being recorded on this phone. And Seth Collins went to take the phone from her, and in that, I hesitate to call it a, a exchange. In that exchange, that she ended up being injured. Still, hmm. like allegedly, yeah. I mean, you you would expect that in that exchange that Seth Collins would have been the one that had allegedly injured her. But from it was a commenter on Staking the Plains that there were some really loose uh, definitions of what constitutes fourth degree assault in Oregon versus like even Texas. And he threw out the example of a car crash. If you were to rear end somebody in Texas and they were to, you know, bump their head on the steering wheel in Texas, it's an accident and, you know, unfortunate injury. But in Oregon that could be considered a fourth degree assault. Um, so, I, you know, you obviously can't tell, you know, intent or anything from these court proceedings or anything like that. It, it looked no like charges were pressed, right? No. Yeah. I was gonna say it looked like everything of the charges had been cleared. Like he had been cleared of those charges. The story that we saw was kind of difficult to, to piece through and kind of understand the, the whole story, it just seemed very oddly put together. Um, one of those things where, like, I don't know enough. I, you know, I've, obviously, since I haven't spoken to this this player, I, I, it's not my position to interview him and do any kind of background research on him. But Whatever, man. Just give him your card. <laughs> just contact hey man, just, him via the official and, and 23 we'll, Personnel Twitter account. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll bring him on this show and, like, really do a deep dive into his, his background. Yeah. <laughs> Um, you would think like somebody like you can tell on, on his, his highlights that he's talented, but not some guy like, like, Oh my gosh, you have to have him. He's going to totally elevate your team. So I, again, I don't see it as somebody that you kind of look the other way with to bring that talent in. Um, I'm just hoping that, you know, athletic staff here at Texas Tech has done everything they can to check it out. Determined he's okay to join your team and we'll move forward from there. I think that he's basically insurance. Um, just, I don't expect a whole lot. I'm not thinking that this is going to be some great signing or whatever. And really, I mean, like he had a 50% catch rate at Oregon state, uh, not last year, but the year before where he had the most catches. So, He's kind of a 50-50 guy, and if he's a slot player only catching 50% of the passes, you know, don't be expecting him to come in and light the world on fire is my thought. So I would just say if he gives you anything, just you're blessed. If not, then this was probably pretty standard, you know, transfer. You're not going to get usually a ton out of a – a transfer for the most part. So 
Right. Yeah, because we did hear that uh, another player, um, Galbron, Galbon, whatever. Um, Sterling. Sterling, had torn, a receiver for Texas Tech, tore his ACL this spring. So maybe this is just to kind of take that position, the depth chart, just to kind of make sure you have enough bodies. Um, I'm not sure. I, I don't like – I would tend to agree with Seth that you're just kind of – taking him and not hoping to have to rely on a transfer or expect any kind of production out of him. He did look like there were some flashes on his highlight, his highlight tape, but I mean, he was apparently that those were really the only plays of his career. (laughs) He didn't put up a whole lot of numbers at Oregon state. Yeah. So I think, um, I think we'll, we'll, we'll do what we will mirror what we did last week and, and cut the the first episode here. Do a mailbag section that will release uh, the next day. Um, so if you wanna if you wanna hear the questions we got asked, we were talking we were asked about the quarterbacks again. Um, what kind of pressure Chris Beard and his success may be putting on Cliff Kingsbury? Um, what position group we were most excited about? Those kinds of things. Do you want to hear those? Tune in to our next our mailbag edition with uh with seth for michael and seth thanks for joining us this week on the 23 personnel podcast